This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop One in Five Pledge, and we're inviting you to take it with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. Head to shop1in5.com to take the pledge. Make that commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards a small business. We also invite you to shop the directory if you don't know where to find other small businesses. It's right there on the page. And we're asking for you to share the pledge. Imagine if each of us told three to four people about the Shop One in Five pledge. It would be an incredible and life-changing for so many small businesses. Tell your friends, your family, and your social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlosita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the Product Boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my fabulous co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. All right, friends, we have a very special episode for you today because we have, not only do we have a partnership on, but they are a brother-sister partnership. So today we have Angie Lee and Mike Lee on, and they are the founders of Soul CBD. So welcome to the podcast. Well, or thanks for having us. I almost just said welcome. <laughs> thanks for having As us. As podcaster problems, I'm so used to saying <laughs> welcome. Uh, thanks so much. We're so excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you guys here. And we love the fact that you created this product-based business that wants to help people, right, with natural products. And um, and you both have very different stories as to kind of how you found your way into Soul CBD. So I was wondering if, so let's start with Mike. Mike, did you want to kind of talk about how you kind of concepted Soul CBD and decided that this is something that needed to be brought to market. Yeah, absolutely. My previous career, I was a professional athlete for about 10 years. So I uh, just went through so many uh, pains, physical and mental, you know, whether it was anxiety before an event or just, you know, the physical inflammation um, and pain that dealt with, you know, all the damage that I took as an athlete, um, you know, even since I was a little kid just starting in sports. So for me, I was looking for an alternative to prescription medication. Uh, way too often athletes and people in general turn to their doctors and it the answer is writing a script. And so I was getting a bunch of side effects. Um, at one point, I was on eight different medications because uh, midway through my professional career, I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease on top of this. So I went through it. I had a lot of ups and downs. Um, but through that process and all that pain, I really learned so many gifts. And I really learned so much more about all natural medicine, about plant medicine, about um, your mindset, about um, health and wellness from a, a natural um, standpoint. So that's how I discovered CBD. I started taking it uh, in 2017. And 
first of all, it started helping me with anxiety. I was on anti-anxiety medications. I was actually on antidepressants. It helped me get off of these slowly but surely. Um, so it started helping me with anxiety and then it helped me with pain. And I came to my sister, Angie, and you know she's been along the ride this whole journey with me, um, dealing with this autoimmune condition for years. And she saw how much CBD uh, amongst many other natural alternatives was helping me. And I told her that we need to share this message. And honest to God, this company, Soul CBD, started not even, you know, we didn't have any um, projections in mind, any numbers, any ideas. It was just a little side hustle. I was still a professional athlete. She was still doing her podcasting, mm-hmm. um, you know, her coaching. And we just kind of did a really soft launch and just to introduce this to the world. And um, it just took off like crazy. And next thing you know, we have thousands and thousands of customers every single month. And um, I'm just so grateful because as testimonials come in, um, it's been a new passion of mine to go from sports to helping other people get out of pain since pain is such an intimate thing in my life. Yeah. 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 I love that. It sounds like um, it was originally, you know, you started taking and then you brought it to Angie. I'm curious, Angie, what was your initial reaction Yeah, it's interesting. We were living in Chicago at the time and, you know, the Midwest is a little bit more, I don't want to say it's taboo, but people don't know as much about cannabis. They think that CBD is weed and it's not right now. It's silly. I'm like, it's basically turmeric. You're fine. But you know, people freak out still and they go, what is it? Is it going to make me high? And so at first I was like, wait, is this, is this marijuana? He's like, no, it's essentially cannabis. It's all the medicinal benefits of cannabis, but without the THC without the hallucinogenic effects. So first, like everybody, I was scared to take it, which is so funny now because I just drink it all day long. (laughs) But initially I was like, I don't know, I can't take this. So I took it. I loved it. And at the time I was growing my coaching business, podcasting, my influencer business, everything I do with my personal brand. And that's really when a lot of my anxiety started. I mean, you guys are entrepreneurs, you know, it's such a blessing and a curse in that that's when I started to really feel more anxiety in my body. Um, I started as a health and wellness blogger. So I'm obsessed with health and wellness. I'm obsessed with holistic health, holistic remedies. I'm as crunchy as it gets. You know, I'm going to have my kid in a bathtub, you know, like I'm just uh, (laughs) in the woods somewhere, hopefully, if all things go well. So when he told me it was all natural and there was no side effects, I was really interested in it. And I was like, wow, the world needs this. This The world needs something that can help them get out of pain. And it doesn't have harmful side effects. This is beautiful. Like, why don't more people know about this plant? And so I started to slowly become more open-minded to it. And then he was like, let's make it an actual business. And I was like, well, we don't know anything about the CBD business. He's like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. I was like, okay, let's go. And you know, ready is a lie. So we Googled some stuff, got a mentor in the cannabis space and started it in our kitchen. We put about $60,000 in total. Mm -hmm. We both put our own hard-earned money in, his from boxing, mine from coaching, put our money in and said, we may never see this $60,000 again, or it's going to end up being a great return on our investment. And the rest is history. Yeah. (laughs) So did you, I guess just coming from the influencer standpoint, because Angie, you have the Angelie show as like a top 100 podcast. Mike, did you have a following on social? Like, did you, were you somewhat of an influencer in your space? Yeah, I think so. From the athletic side, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I was, um, blessed enough to fight in Madison Square Garden, Cowboy Stadium, had fights on ESPN, HBO. So um, in terms of the athletic side, I I definitely kind of had that organic following, which I was grateful for. Um, Not quite like Angie's though. Angie was so much more um, dialed in with her community and her community absolutely loved her uh, in a way that I've never seen. And so to be honest, is we got a lot of organic traction um, it, a lot of it came from Angie's community and we obviously 
love the brother sister dynamic. And I have a, a mostly male demographic that does love CBD for pain, inflammation, recovery after sports, what have you. But um, we've really kind of pivoted the brand uh, a little more female um, when we think about um, our different SKUs, our branding, our messaging. Um, and I really credit Angie to that. I mean, she's built this incredible brand. Uh, her events pays to be brave has almost 3000 women showing up to see her speak. I just sit in the back literally in tears. Uh, so proud of her, uh, what she's created out of nothing, honestly. Yeah. And I really credit a lot of our organic, um, lift in the beginning of the, the mm-hmm. company to Angie's audience. Yeah. That's why I'm so passionate about brand. I'm sure you guys have, have talked to every owner about this, hopefully if they've done it organically, but that's why I'm obsessed with the power of brand. You can never take it away from someone. No matter if 500 other CBD companies start tomorrow, you can never take away my brand. You can't take away my community. You can't take away my passion. You can't take away the fact that I respond to every person. It's just, you can't buy that. You can't buy that in an ad. And so I had this confidence in the beginning. I was like, hey, I have this audience. I mean, it wasn't even as big as it is now two and a half years ago, but I was like, hey, I think they'll buy it. We'll see if they buy it and like it. And and then they told their sister who told their friend and you know, it, it, it does spread if it's a really good product. And so I feel like it's been a long, crazy journey, but it's also kind of still new. It's only been what, two and a half years. Yeah. And so. I think if I can speak to that really quick when something your audience, I'm sure has resonated with, with your show is that we're never going to be able to compete with Coca-Cola, with Nestle. You know, these brands will spend a hundred million dollars in advertising to make a certain category, uh, brand, a household name, so to speak. Um, what we have that they'll never have is us, is our authenticity, is our community. And so even as you think about looking for exits one day and you're, you're a consumer product good company, um, that is the the value and differentiator that um, the little guy us um, has over these these big um, conglomerates. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so amazing how you both um, you both kind of have this you know risk taking ability about you, the entrepreneurial spirit for sure. I, I'm curious, growing up, did you have an influence as far as entrepreneurship? Were you always I mean, you were a boxer, for example. So, you know, there's a commitment to being an athlete, but also there's that same commitment that happens when you're an entrepreneur too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our father, uh, our father always, um, he was a high school dropout, went into the army, um, was an entrepreneur his entire life. I mean, up until we were, you know, young kids, I mean, it was tough times because he was always, um, trying something and failing. He was the hardest worker I knew, but he always believed in himself. And so we grew up unknowingly seeing this ideology of, you know, uh, you can just count on yourself and this entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, we literally as a family, I think filed bankruptcy two, maybe three times when we were, um, when we were young and, and growing up in Chicagoland area. And that was because my dad basically always told my mom and us like, trust me, I'm, I'm going to, get off the ground. I'm going to do this for us. And he eventually did. It was a a real story of, you know, a kid who was a high school dropout and came from nothing that ended up creating a couple of businesses that started becoming very successful and no one helping him along the way. And so us as little kids, we grew up seeing him. Mm -hmm. We grew up with him constantly telling us and me, I became a fighter, literally risking my life in front of thousands of people in, in arenas of, you know, you got to go for your dreams no matter what. And you can't be risk averse when it comes to your dreams because tomorrow is promised to no one. I would always be told that at a young age, tomorrow is promised to no one and Angie as well. And so we knew that one day we're going to be on our deathbeds and I don't want to look back with regret and wonder what if, and we've always, I mean, her saying is ready is a lie and God knows she's taken 
more risk than more people I know. And a lot of failures have come with that, but a lot of learning lessons have too. So that's been an ideology we've had, you know, since we were little kids. Yeah. I just, I'm not risk averse at all. I just, let's just go. (laughs) I'm not afraid at all. I don't know if I was just born with like something in my brain. I'm like idea, let's put a million dollars in it and let's see if it works. Like I just don't have any concept of failure because to me, the biggest failure is not doing it. That to me eats me alive is that you live once. This is a game. Let's play it. Let's see what happens. And I truly believe that most entrepreneurs, especially in the product space, like you said, it's, it's scary. It's hard. It's hard. Right. And so of course you wouldn't want to do it because it's hard. And so I think there actually would be more product businesses if people were willing to take the leap. But if you're brave enough to take the leap and step into that arena of the product space, you you can, it can really pay off one day, but only so many people are brave enough to actually do it. Cause like you said, Mina, it's, it's a lot of headaches. And so, yeah. Yeah. And we've actually had a previous <laughs> business that we've invested money in that we tried to start from the ground up about seven years ago that completely failed. Uh, you know, <laughs> we lost a bunch of money and we laugh about it now. Was it a product business? <laughs> It was a healthy meal delivery business. Genius, right? Because delivering food is a great business model (laughs) because the food doesn't spoil or anything. Yeah, I'm a genius in case you didn't know. Hey, in COVID time, so meal delivery was everything. Yeah, this was was like years ago before it was cool to (laughs) deliver food. But you know what is interesting? I am very good at like being a little, I'm a visionary. I'm bad at a lot of stuff, but I'm very good at seeing the holes in the market. And I was like, Mike, there should be healthy food delivered to people's doorsteps. He's like, Wow. Yeah. I'm like, why doesn't that exist? That should be a thing, you know? And now you've got Fresh and Lean and all Uh these huge, huge companies who are crushing it, who have it down to a science with the temperature of the box. But we were in Chicago and we're like, yeah, let's get a chef. Let's deliver salmon to people's doorstep. Of course, that's just, it's just never be in the food industry, right? Unless you, I don't know, have something packaged that could stay in the freezer because if not, you better know the food industry. So we lost some money and that was funny and it was fun, but, um, (laughs) Yeah. But we learned. We learned a ton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was your money at the time. So Mike lost that one. <laughs> By our money at that Sorry, time. Mike. It was my money. <laughs> I was like 21. So thank God. Grateful he put the money into that one. But I, of course, at the time, I remember thinking like, this is so smart. This is the thing. And I just think that nobody, no entrepreneur doesn't have stories of the funny thing they tried that they thought was going to be the zillion dollar idea. I mean, it could have been, it could have been fresh and lean, you know? (laughs) Well, and it's also that right time, right? Right time, right product. And also what you know and your knowledge. And so you guys just, I mean, the other thing is you brought on a coach for CBD, right? You didn't go out and be like, we're just going to figure this one out. You know, you, you found the right experts, even though you were a startup. Cause I think so many times, um, startups are, you know, especially people who are starting from their living rooms, let's say they, they're so afraid to invest in themselves, right? They know they have, especially with product, right? There's cost of goods and shipping and packaging and all the things that are actually taking money. But then the thing is that we always say is that they need to invest in a coach or a course or an expert or something because there's something you don't know and it's going to fast track you there. Um, and it also gives them that confidence. And I know that you work on, you know, helping women with their confidence and paying to be brave. And, and so I, I think so many times they miss the fact that it's investing in themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely more upfront costs than there is with a service-based thing. So it is scarier because you're betting on yourself more. You're, Mm -hmm. you're believing in yourself more. You're putting something down. You have to order the product. You have to actually have a physical thing in front of you or coaching and things like that. The barrier to entry is lower, um, which is a great thing to start with, I think, because the overhead's basically nothing if you want it to be, and you're just giving your time. 
But Mm -hmm. if you're really passionate about a product, you do have to be willing to put some money down because it costs money to get the product. Yeah, Yeah. we had some mentors um, and people that we trusted in the CPG space and also in the CBD space, like you mentioned, that really helped. And that's a great point. You have to invest in yourself. And we knew that you have to pay for people's experience because they've already jumped over those hurdles. They've gotten punched in the face, you know, so Mm. to speak. So it's amazing that, you know, when you can pay for that type of knowledge and it stopped us from making mistakes, more mistakes than we would have made um, already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that Jacqueline and I are learning, you guys are a partnership just like us, right? You're co-CEOs in a way. And we have had other businesses as well. We actually still have other businesses. But I think one of the things that I'm learning, especially because I've had partnerships before that didn't work out as well. Well, I mean, they worked out just fine, right? Our lives moved on and and that sort of thing. Um, But for this one, I think that there's certainly an awareness that comes when you get further into your partnerships. You two are siblings, so it's like a lifelong partnership anyways. Um, But one of the things is that Jacqueline is very much like Angie, where she's she's full visionary, right? I'm very much still a visionary, but I have an integrator's brain. So Mm. it's the flip side of that. I think Mike is probably similar in that way. So can you tell us a little bit about your roles and kind of how you play that in Soul CBD? Yeah, wow, you're a unicorn. <laughs> if you can be a if you can be a visionary and an integrator, usually they don't overlap too much, but sometimes you do find brains that can do both hemispheres. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been more of of the visionary of it, helping a lot with the creative development, the ideas of it. Yeah, I think like you pointed out, it's really important when you're starting a partnership to understand uh, skill um, strengths and weaknesses rather. And really bringing the ego down. I think that's massive, right? Like bringing your ego down, understanding that, okay, maybe I'm not that good at this. And hopefully your partner is great at that and you kind of balance each other out. So um, Angie is 100% the visionary. She is the person who says, let's do this, let's do this. And she's so exciting. She builds the energy and the culture of the company. So we need that. And then there's the other side of it where I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. And we want to give gummies to everybody in the world, but we don't have enough money for 7 billion gummies. Like right? it's so like, I need to like, slow I'm like, it down. It's like this is what we're going to do. We're going to give sample packs and we're going to do this and then everyone's going to love it. And it's going to be great. And he's like, okay, well like, how are we going to, how much is that going to cost? I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's going to be great. So I am just like big picture, excited energy, culture based person. Like let's get everybody amped up. I am the energy of a business. I'm a heartbeat of a business, but when it comes to operations, integration, organization, talking to three P I mean, Mike is definitely, I mean, he went to Notre Dame. He's a smarter child. So he, he, you know, he knows how to pass the class in college. I'm the college dropout who just figures things out as I go. So we are this really interesting dance. And I think it's been very interesting. And like Mike said, you know, there has, there's been times where we have to have those conversations of who's doing what. And we're still working on that, to be honest, because I've had my whole, my brand that I've had to keep running while he's doing this, while he was in boxing and then phased out of his job to do this full-time. So he's sole full-time while I'm sole plus mostly I'm trying to keep building my brand, which then ultimately does help soul. So I think it's been hard for me to figure out that dance of where do I fit in? Where can I help? But I don't want to drop the NG Lee brand and I've got other partnerships and other stuff in my event, which was a huge, huge stress and a huge thing on my plate. So it's been an interesting dance. I don't know if anybody has the, the answer to it, but I do think that it's very important for in business, the partnership, one person at least is more so the integrator and the other person's a visionary. I think if you have two visionaries, it can be really scary. And it's just, you're just farting around all day, you know, talking about ideas um, and they may never get done or they, you just lose a ton of money. And then if you're also only an integrator, honestly, you, you're, 
I see it as a very like a, a grounded energy, like a very execution masculine energy. Um, if you don't have any of that, the big picture, I see it up here, like more of the feminine, you know, in the clouds energy. It can be dangerous too because you're not thinking of new ideas. You're not really tuned into the customer. You know, I'm so in the feminine energy in business that I sometimes it can be a good thing and a bad thing. It's bad because I won't necessarily have the organization to integrate and the system, but I'm so emotionally connected to my customer and I know what she wants and I get her and I know her and I, I can dance with that, which is so beautiful too. So it's, you need both. I don't know how people would run a company without, without both. Yeah. And I think, and I think, listen, I ran my business. I have another business for 10 and a half years as the visionary and I still made it work and it was still super successful. You just have to hire the people, right? So if yep. you don't get a partnership that's balanced the way that our partnerships are, then you hire people. And, as, and the more you can self-identify, it doesn't, being visionaries and fully visionaries, I think I used to feel, and I have very low follow through. So I think I used to feel pretty crappy about that, right? Because that was, but that's the way I'm just built. And I just had to fill in those gaps. So I just, as everyone's yeah. listening, I just want them to realize that you can fill in gaps of... So, you know, one of our best friends is Drew Canoli. He's the founder of Organifi, very big visionary, pretty much lives up here in the clouds, built a $100 million brand by being just the visionary. And obviously in the beginning, he had to be in the weeds a bit more. But I said to him once, I feel guilty about it because it feels like you're not ever doing enough. You're just thinking, you're just connecting dots. And he said, think of like Richard Branson. He's like, people pay him so much money to get on a private jet, fly over and look at a company and at the bird's eye view and go, this is what you're going to do. The customer needs this. This is what they want. And just look at it. And then he flies home and they pay him a ton of money. And he never once thinks to himself that wasn't needed in the world. It is. You need both, mm -hmm. right? They're both valuable and important. And it, you can't assess a skill based on the time that it takes. It's more so the skill. And so that's been fascinating for me to learn from other product-based owners. Like, how do they fit in the company then as, as a visionary and how do you still support and help? And it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I want to switch gears real fast and talk because you're doing CBD. You don't have the ability to advertise the way other people do. And now we talked pre-call that, you know, we're very much about organic marketing. So I wanted to just switch gears into that because you don't have that ability to write for paid ads. So what would you recommend or, or tell us a little bit about how you guys grew? Now, obviously you both had your own um, communities and your own influence in your space. But what would you sort of say that was, you know, the thing that really kickstarted you? Because you went from 60,000 to a multi-million dollar business in a couple of years. In a day. <laughs> in a day. Overnight. <laughs> I'm going to be like everybody in Clubhouse in just one night. That was it. We just, <laughs> I just published a post and you guys can do it too. That was the episode. There it is. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, you talk about this because this is, this is interesting right now, what we're playing with a few different options to get around this. Yeah. I mean, Facebook, Instagram definitely has its, um, its hurdles to jump over. There's certain ways you can advertise, certain ways you can't. It's really tough to scale. Um, we can spend money on programmatic. So that's Google ads, display and native, which has been a, a big help. But the majority of what we've done, in fact, well over a year into the business, we never spent a single dollar on any type of paid ads. The majority of what we've done is you spoke to was organic. So um, when I say organic, obviously we talk about our audience, but we end up working with other influencers, other affiliates, right? And so for us, it was really getting around influencers and affiliates that had really high engagement and had really a lot of authenticity and also were educational leaders in the space, right? Because if you're diving into a new category, you need to educate your audience as well. And CBD was one of those categories to where people, our number one question is, will this get me high? And when I hear that, I realize they're still at 101 level and it's our job to educate them as well. Now, if you're coming into a product that 
is already well known, that's a different story. Maybe you don't have to educate as much. So a lot of the affiliates and influencers we worked with, we worked with doctors, we worked with um, health and wellness practitioners, people that um, are authorities in the education space. That really helped us with that quote unquote, like more organic grassroots type of advertising. Um, But, you know, Angie comes from that world. A lot of her audience is network marketers, a lot of her audience is affiliates, people who want to start their own brand, their own podcast. So we did have a leg up from other companies because I do think that we automatically had this audience that not just were consumers, but were also vocal about it. And that was massive. And actually, I think women in general are more vocal about um, products that they like. You know, if you think about guys, for me, like on Instagram, I'm kind of barely posting about things I like. And Angie and her audience, they're much more vocal about it, which I think is incredible. Helps so many brands. It helps people understand what they like, what they don't like. And um, sometimes with the male demographic, they just don't do that as much, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm showing everything sure. I love every second. And he's just like, why are you showing him your soup? I'm like, they need to see this bowl of soup. Yeah. I mean, you show raw carrots. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I now need to eat raw yeah. carrots but every actually, day. What's so funny about that is I just made a mental note. I remember you actually, Angie, saying the other day, you were like, I eat for energy. And even that simple statement right there stuck with me. And I was like, okay, Mina, you need to start eating healthier and eat for energy, you know, because I think people do certain things stick with them. And unless they can have it pertain to their life and impact them in their lives, you know, women are the ones that make so many decisions for their parents, for their own families, for their kids. And, um, actually the first time I heard of CBD was, um, for um, people dealing with PTSD, the women in that case that were buying it for their husbands, oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what we've seen as well, um, which has been awesome. You know, husbands and brothers and fathers that are now turned on to it because the women in their life um, basically told them to, (laughs) you know, put it in front of them. And it's it's worked amazingly. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, do you have any tips for our product classes that are listening? Any sort of entrepreneurial tip that you'd like to throw their way? I have a, a tip right off the bat that just came to mind was don't do something unless you're passionate about it. Don't launch a product unless it's solving a specific pain point in the marketplace. You see there's white space and maybe that's anxiety. Maybe that's helping you, whatever it is. If it's not solving a specific pain point and if you're not passionate about it, it's just going to fail point blank because there's a million other people out there who are going to work harder than you. They're going to stay up later. They're going to be more authentic with their posts and with their messaging. And I mean, that's how I became one of the best fighters in the world was passion point blank. I was willing to outwork everybody. And so I offer that same advice in this world. If you're not passionate about it, someone else who is will, will beat you to it. Yeah. I would say niching down, of course, and ready is alive, of course, just start. Nobody has all the answers when they start this. It's not like you're an expert in DTC and then you start it. Unless you do have experience in it, then that's great. But at the end of the day, passion's going to win over experience anyway, because you could have all the experience, but if you don't do anything, it doesn't really matter. But I would say build brand. The smartest thing you can do is build brand. You know, I don't know where my brand's going to be in 10 years. Who knows what I'll be doing? But all I know is every day I wake up and I ask myself, how can I build brand today? How can I build more trust? And I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with building community because with that has opened so much optionality for me. I can sell and do anything. And so if you're listening, build the community first, build the brand first or work on it simultaneously while you're perfecting the product. Because if you don't have the community, you don't have customers and customers are the oxygen of your business. So I'm always customer first, customer first, product second, which sounds a little bit 
most people are like obsessed with the product, but I'm like, dude, if you have no one to sell it to, you're just sitting in your basement working out a product. So always customer first, customer first, build the brand. Yeah. Oh, we, we totally believe that because it's more than the product that they're buying. Right. Um, really quick. I do have one more question. Um, I love that you don't have that many SKUs. You know, I think that when people start, they always think they need to throw the kitchen sink into their collection of things. You guys keep it very succinct as far as, you know, it meets the needs here, the different things you, you have variations, like as far as flavors, but could you talk a little bit about that? Like how you started and how that's evolved? Yeah, I mean that's a great point. And and talking about the ease of starting, we even started with less SKUs. It wasn't until we started getting more money coming in and more help that we started expanding the product line. But I love that. Ideally, you know, there's a business um, Goalie, those apple cider vinegar gummies. Um, I think they're close to a billion dollar valuation business, and they have one SKU. I'm actually envious of them. So wow. it's one of those things where, like Angie was talking about, knowing your niche and solving a pain point. Um, we kind of want to start it with, you know, gummies and tinctures. Those are our hero SKUs. We position ourselves as the best tasting CBD in the world. We spent hours and hours and hours in formulations working with doctors, chemists, our manufacturers, and getting the best tasting CBD because we didn't like the, the weird hempy uh, plant taste that most CBD companies use. So for us, we wanted to find the most all-natural healthy ways to focus on those flavors. And that's how we started with our tinctures and then eventually moving on to gummies. And so those two really hero skews, no matter what new product we're bringing in, we always want them to be in our ecosystem and come back to the hero skew. Maybe for you, that's because it's the best selling product or maybe it's your best margins. You can determine that. But for us, we always want the product to get back into our hero SKUs. And that's how we've kind of found success building out more SKUs. Yeah, I'm obsessed with niche. So if it was me, I would be like, two SKUs, that's it. <laughs> two SKUs, keep it simple. I just less is more. Less is more. Do not confuse the customer. Tell them what to buy. Don't give them options. Just tell them what to buy. You have this problem. Here is the solution. It's the ultimate solution. Here's the checkout button. People add more SKUs because they think that would be more options but they've done studies and there's a reason why at the store you only see option A, B, C, small, medium, large. You only see three because if you give someone more than three options, they're usually out. And this is why you'll see it everywhere. Now, when you look around, when you're ordering stuff online, it's always option A, B, or C. That's it. If you give a human more than three, they're usually just too overwhelmed. We live in such an overwhelming market right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to sell you something. So I, yeah, I always tell him, I'm like, let's use, let's use, <laughs> let's just have one gummy and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I think that's massive. But, what, what you said is brilliant. Like don't confuse the customer. And that direct, like when I come to your website, we know right away, we have an incredibly high conversion rate on our website because we've worked really hard not to confuse the customer. We work on pain, anxiety, and sleep. We're really good at those three pain points. And when you come to the site, there's literally a button you can click on if you have one of those issues that will direct you to one of those products that works for you. So don't confuse the customers. I mean, that's that's it right there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, this is incredible. And you're so open with all of your information. So would you mind telling our listeners how they can buy from you, share and um, follow you? Yeah, you guys can check us out at mysoulcbd.com. Say hi to us on Instagram at mysoulcbd. Check us out, official Mike Lee, Angie Lee show on Instagram. Say hi, ask us questions. We're an open book. Anything you want to know, CBD, wellness, biohacking, uh, anything. <laughs> Yeah. Why we're so weird. I don't know. Just, just DM us. <laughs> we'll say hi. <laughs> um, but yeah, check us out at mysoulcbd.com. Again, if you have pain, anxiety, sleep issues, our gummies are to die for. We'll send you guys some stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so thank you for this. This means the world to us. Thank, oh, you. thank you guys. 
Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the shop one in five pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the shop one in five pledge, and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most, because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge. If you head to shop one in five.com, the link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family, and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.